Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders, about to tackle a topic that kind of came to me today after a couple of correspondence with keepers. And basically the topic is what it takes to be an expert tarantula keeper, or I'm going to call this one the overcomplication of the tarantula hobby. Because here's what's happened. First, I had somebody email and ask about what at what point do you know that you're an advanced keeper? And I get this one quite a bit, and I have a very difficult time answering it because I don't think you get the same response depending on the person you're talking about. And I also think that the quote-unquote advanced keeper isn't so much something you can just slap you know, a set of rules to, a name on, say this is, these are the things you have to do to get there. Uh, to a point, I know a lot of people talk about how much time you've gotten to the hobby. I know people talk about what you're able to do in the hobby, which species you've kept. I just don't think it's an easy thing to respond to, and it all depends on the person involved. And then I had another situation, or not situation, just somebody emailed, and they were asking if I've ever thought about doing more articles and videos to appeal to an advanced crowd or people that were into more advanced tea keeping. I'm like, wow, I honestly never thought of it that way. Obviously, with Tom's Big Spiders, I do a lot of the beginner stuff. I, I do a lot with trying to explain how to set these guys up properly. However, with that being said, I also just pretty much talk about whatever's going on in my collection. I've been doing this for a little while, and I have some of the species that would fall on many people's advanced or expert list, whatever it may be. And I report on those. I have scorpions. I have a, a couple centipedes, if assassin bugs. I have anything in my collection is fair game for me to talk about. It's not like I just go, all right, you know what, I have a heart bacteria pulcropies here, but I'm not going to talk about it because that's a more advanced species. No, I don't do it. I just talk about whatever's in my collection. I do try to make all of my stuff accessible to somebody who's just getting into hobby. I do try to get into the hobby. I do try to get as much information in there as possible, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a video, whether it be an article, because again, my background is teaching, and the idea is, it's unlike teaching, I don't get to go back to the classroom the next day and after reevaluating my lesson and go, you know what, this part went really well, but I don't think the kids got this or this, and I don't get to reteach it. I get kind of one shot at this, and then I get to answer the rest in the comments. And it's immediately obvious if I miss something, because like, for example, on my YouTube videos, I'll get comments that pretty much point out that people didn't get what I was saying or that some message I was trying to get across didn't come across. For example, I just did one talking about mites and the whole point of it, or a lot of the video, uh, video the point of it was that mites aren't you know, necessary, necessarily the catastrophe most people think they are. And then I had several people comment, well, they're not really that bad, are they? And Bob, it was like, okay, I guess I didn't get that point across. So anyway, I digress. I, when talking about what I do, I never really, I think I'm beginner friendly, but I didn't think I was excluding information for people who have been in the hobby for a while. And I kind of, I have some people that have watched my channel for a while and followed my uh, YouTube videos, have followed my podcast, and and they've been in the hobby for quite some time. So these guys aren't beginners anymore. And I, I think some cases I'll put stuff up and they'll be like, oh man, I was looking at that speech. I was wondering how to keep them. So I, again, didn't think I was just doing beginner stuff, but it really got me thinking like what would make 
a good advanced level video or article or podcast? What types of things can I talk about? As a keeper who's been keeping for a while, and I never use the term expert because if anybody's been following my videos lately, I'm still learning stuff every day. It drives me nuts when people are like, you're an expert at this. No, I'm not. I take in some information. I do a lot of reading. I talk to people, and I try to simulate it in a way that I can use it. But I'm not an expert at these. I've got years to go to learn many things to learn before I get to that point. But what would people at that level want to talk about? So I started thinking about the hobby in general. And basically, it came down to this. First off, I was trying to think of, all right, what do I look up when I want to look for new information? So if I'm out as somebody who's kept for a while that might be an advanced level keeper, if I'm going to go out and look for articles and I'm going to look for videos, what am I generally looking for? And what I came to the conclusion of is that it's just basic species care. If I'm looking at a new species, if I'm, I'm, I'm perusing Fear Not Tarantula's website and I'm trying to see what they've got in stock because I want something new that you know nobody has, then my next trip is to hop on Google, hop on Arachnoboards, hop on YouTube, and get some information, World Spider Catalog, another spot that's usually where I go to, and start putting together like a little dossier that includes all the pertinent information about how I might keep one that's basically it. That's where I'm going to go off on YouTube. And usually what ends up happening is YouTube's my last stop only because I like to hit the World Spider Catalog first, look up you know where they're from, look up the weather there, look up the climate. Is this a species that's going to need it moist? Is this a species that can do moist or dry? Things of that nature. Then usually what happens is I want to see how people keep them. I want to see their setups. I want to see them talk about it. So then I hop over there. But that's about it. And then I started to realize... Our hobby, I don't honestly believe, is as complicated as people like to make it out. I think it can be rough for a beginner, but I think any hobby, when you start off, can be rough for a beginner because there's a lot to learn. We've talked before about you know the language people use, the scientific names, how to set them up. But once you have basic tarantula husbandry down, what is next? Where do you go from there? I have a buddy, Casey, who does aquariums, and I've seen some of the pictures of his aquarium setups. I also had a buddy in high school that was very into aquariums, and he set up a saltwater aquarium in his living room. It was this big, beautiful, hexagonal aquarium. I'll never forget it. Absolutely gorgeous. The amount of information he had to learn about fish, about pH values in the water, about temperatures, about how to set them up, about he had live plants in them, which plants will work, which fish will work with other fish. It, I don't, obviously, anybody listening to this right now that does aquariums and works with exotic fish is probably laughing at me because I know nothing about it. We had uh, a tank years ago, Billy and I just had some simple guppies or something in it, and I think a couple, I think it was a couple catfish, which I really loved. But it is a complicated hobby, and if you watch people that do their aquarium builds and how they build these things and put them together, and it's just amazing. Now we look at tarantulas. Let's look at what we deal with. At it, it, the best, we have acrylic cages, glass enclosures. You know, people get really crazy with putting together some nice stuff. At our most simple and simplistic, we have sterilite boxes with dirt. That's that's their habitats. I think this is why people look at us sometimes and look at how we keep these and they get the wrong idea that we're not keeping them well because these are animals that don't require a lot of fine-tuning. 
I've spoken ad nauseum about care sheets and how much I can't stand care sheets because they put these arbitrary ideal temperatures on there. They put these arbitrary humidity requirements. I had somebody the other day email me and they were telling me they were having problems with their OBT, but don't worry, they've kept the temperature where it should be and the humidity was nice and high like they had read it needed or they had kept the humidity up. And that that type of stuff is more damaging to the animal than just kind of going it without the care sheet information. If you're trying to keep an OBT at a certain humidity, you're not doing things correctly and that's one of the things we've learned about the majority of these species and I think every year there seems to be another one that gets added to this list there's certain ones that do well dry with a water dish that's it not even having to moisten the substrate which we make like it's this big mysterious difficult thing oh well you don't want to keep that species yet because that involves moist substrate you know keeping dirt moist like you've probably done the garden or plants in your house or whatever we kind of overcomplicate things sometimes And so when you compare it to other hobbies where you do have to have a precise temperature range, where you have to control the salinity of water or the acidity of water, we have to worry about things of that nature. We have to worry about which plants you mix with which species. And that's something hopefully we're going to get my buddy on here eventually Ryan Mack to talk about the enclosures, the bioactive enclosures. But if you're not, a lot of people don't do those. So it's not anything you have to worry about. So that could be something we talk about advanced doing the bioactive enclosures. But for the most part, our setups for tarantulas are simple. Let's look at sling care. Sling care is probably the thing that freaks most people out. I did a couple guides on sling care, two videos, uh, a guide out there. It's in PDF form. It's on my website. Uh, Fear Not gives it out when you buy a tarantula there. But we did slings. If you notice, the majority of the slings, I don't go breaking down every single species because the majority of the slings do well kept exactly the same. There's no differentiation between the care for the most part. You know, you may have a GBB that you keep dry. That's one of the species I tell everybody, just keep them dry from the beginning. Um, You may have the avicularia species that you talk about keeping dry with water dish or putting some water on the web. You don't need to worry about the moist substrate. But for the most part, care is identical from species to species. I started writing a bunch of care guides for slings I had and I felt like an idiot because I was repeating myself so often because it was, oh, give them an inch or so of moist substrate. Give them a starter burrow. Give them a piece of cork bark to hide underneath if you have room. Give them a water dish if you have room. Every single one of them was the exact same thing. Make sure they don't dry out in the wintertime because they don't have that waxy coating that protects them from dehydration and desiccation. Same thing for every single one of them. But look how freaked out people are to have slings. And I will get the same questions all the time. People will read the sling guide And I'll get an email, hey, I just read your sling guide. My God, you covered everything. It's great. I have a question. I just got a B. alba pelosum sling. I'm wondering how I should keep it. I'm like, all right, here we go. Uh, Let's break it down. But people want, they desperately want to believe that the care differs wildly from species to species. And in many cases, it does not. Slings are kept pretty much identically. There's a couple species that you want to keep dry from the start. Even some of the drier species as adults, you want to keep moist as slings and that's it. And then let's look at once they get to adults. We have three main categories of tarantulas. Here we go, three. We have the arboreal species, we have the terrestrial species, and we have fossorial species. Arboreal, obviously ones that like to live off the ground, although that throws some people into confusion because a lot of my arboreals, I'm thinking of the Pisotheria species specifically, will still hang out around the ground and do some a little bit of burrowing even as adults sometimes. Um, we have the terrestrial species. Those are your basic, you know... Run-of-the-mill, a lot of the beginner species are on that list. They're the ones that basically sit on the ground and hide under a burrow if they hide at all. They're the ones that are most beginner-friendly a lot of the times because you're going to see them most often. They don't have a lot of huge care requirements. 
very standard, your standard model tarantula. And then you have the fossorial or burrowing species. Of course, those are the ones that like to dig. Those are the ones that need several inches of substrate that will go underneath the ground and they will stay mostly out of sight and out of mind if kept correctly. That's it. Three different types. So now right off the bat, you have an adult tarantula. You have three things to pick from. That's it. That's Those are pretty good odds. That's, you know, 33% chance of getting it right, even if, you know, you just guess that. So not too bad. Now, granted, pet stores, they don't give you this kind of information. They'll have, you know, a C. levitum sitting, a levitus sitting right up on, you know, dry substrate in the open, which is not the way to keep them. But again, very, very simple care. Now, let's take it a step forward. You've identified that you have a species that is either arboreal or terrestrial or fossorial. We're going to add something to the mix. All right, we're going to make things really complicated now. You ready? Now you have to decide whether or not it can be kept on dry substrate, which is dirt, or moist substrate. Yeah, mind blown, right? So now we've added a couple more pots. So now there's 10 different possibilities, a whopping 10 different possibilities of ways you can keep this adult tarantula. Again, not to poke fun at us, but that's not a lot to worry about. That's rather simple, and most of this information can be found very, very quickly. Now, we can get into the whole debate that a lot of people don't do their homework when they should. That's not what this is about. This is about making something appear more complicated than it actually is. So, we've decided you have your species. You picked up, let's just say you picked up a... I don't know, a Fonapelma simani. Let's pick one of those ones that kind of throws people off because a lot of these guys will burrow and a lot of the guys that I've, you know, the ones I've kept personally have appreciated moist substrate and I've talked to other people that have said there's an appreciated moist substrate. Do they need it? Probably not. A lot of people keep them dry without a problem. So you've found this, this species, you picked it up, you went to Petco and you said, oh, look, this one looks good. The Costa Rican zebra striped knee tarantula looks great. And they had it kept on dry substrate, and it's like sitting there looking all miserable. So you go home, and you decide, you know what, I'm not even going to listen to what Petco said to me. I'm a smart person. I'm going to hop online and try to find some information. So you end up getting on, well, throw myself a a little shout-out. You get on Tom's Big Spiders. Tom says, give it several inches of dirt, and you might need it moist. That's it. That's the the setup for it. That's, That's about it. And even if you decide to keep it dry with a water dish, still a good setup for it. You're still going to have probably a healthy, we'll say happy spider that's going to eat and do all the things spiders do, molt. So not a lot to deal with there. We're not dealing with pH levels of soil. I mean, if we really wanted to make this hobby difficult, and or if this hobby really were to be as difficult as we like to make it out, we'll say, then we'd be measuring like traits of soils. We'd be mixing things. for. I mean, there'd be all kinds of stuff we can get into. We don't do that. Here's, here's another choice you have as a, as a keeper. All right, so you get your, your AC money. You did your research. You can keep it terrestrial, terrestrially or fossorially. You've decided you're going to keep the substrate a little bit moist. What type of dirt do you use? Oh, yeah, there's a big one. What do you do? What do, what do you keep it on? Again, a short search will find the majority of people keep things on cocoa fiber. Um, a lot of us switch from cocoa fiber because it's expensive. And the burrowing, it does hold up for burrows. They will web the inside of it. So although it can be fluffy, they will web the inside of it. But a lot of us will use either topsoil or peat is another popular one. There you go. Three choices of dirt. So we've added a couple things to the mix. But again, that's easy. Now, this person gets their AC money. They set, they set them up. They're feeding them. They figure out a feeding schedule. That's the next thing we're going to figure out. 
Um, they, they're cleaning the water dish. They're keeping everything nice and neat and tidy. But their Asumani, they put it – it's a little guy and they put it in a critter keeper and it, eventually they need to rehouse it. That's when things get a little trickier with the rehousings. That's when experience comes into play and that's when you start talking about what makes an experienced keeper. And I think that rehousings play a big part in that line between somebody that's just got into the hobby – and somebody that's got some experience on their belt. And we can get into that. There's an age-old discussion about the importance of actual experience versus watching and reading about it. It comes up all the time on the boards. It's funny because I do. I, I can kind of see both sides of this argument, but I do think the experience in the very least of rehousing is incredibly important. That's what tends to freak a lot of people out. You know, you've got this big spider, you picked it up, you set it up correctly the first time, you basically open the little Petco box, shoot it into its new enclosure, close, slam the lid down as fast as you can so it wouldn't get out, and that's it. But now it comes time to dig it up and rehouse it. You got your little Fontapelma Simani sitting in the bottom of the tunnel. What do I do? And that's where you develop the skills that are going to carry you into the more advanced areas of the hobby. When you're dealing with let's just say a fossorial species, it's it's about developing those techniques that work for you so that you can do the rehousings safely and calmly. So let's look at some things to check off our box as far as moving from beginner to a little more experienced keeper. You've got to know your basic husbandry for the species and be keeping it correctly. You've got your substrate down. You know what you're using. You know the difference between a fossorial and a boreal and a terrestrial tarantula, and you know how to set those three different types of cages up. You have your basic feeding schedule down. You know what a bolus is and how to remove a bolus. You don't freak out when you see mold. You scoop it out. You don't go nuts when you see mites. You know how to deal with them. You know, little things that are going to pop out probably in the hobby, but things that you will learn from by experience. Most people aren't going to go out and just start reading about mites on their own they're going to see something small in their enclosure little tiny bugs moving around a corner maybe around a bolus or something they're going to freak out they're going to hop online they're going to go oh these are mites and hopefully they're going to get some good information that tells them how to deal with it so that they don't freak out and rehouse their entire collection which i've actually heard a couple times recently so these are all things that you would learn but they're kind of a one and done type of thing and what i mean by that is you get mites you do your research you find out as i hit my keyboard sorry about that you find out what you do to eradicate the mites or get the mites out of, the, out of your enclosures or you find out that they're really not that bad and you can keep them under control and then that's it. You have your knowledge. You've taken some notes. You have your websites marked or bookmarked and you're good to go. Those are like those those one-time events that you, you deal with and then you move on. Your first molt, that's something that most people you know freak out about. Your first pre-molt, your first fasting, all things that usually once it happens once, maybe twice, you get the hang of it and that's it. You've been initiated into the club of tarantula keepers. You now know what to expect when your spider buries itself before a molt. You now know what a molt looks like you now know what to do when you get mites you now know what there's to do when there's mold those are the little outlier things that we learn as we go on the rehousings are the ones you can't fake I can remember I shared the story before my son and I who's now older at the time I think was 19 we had to rehouse my semi-adult Pisolotheria vitata and both of us were totally freaked out about it. he was he was a teenager so he was all jacked up you know this was an adrenaline rush thing but I was freaking out about it and I'll never forget the feeling I had in that so I do remember when people contact me about you know being afraid of rehousing a spider I get that part of it but this is the part that I think the biggest part that leads somebody from being a beginner keeper 
to a more advanced keeper is the rehousings. When you feel comfortable doing rehousings, whether it be an arboreal species, whether it be a terrestrial species, terrestrials are easy. You drop a couple of them, slide a piece of cardboard underneath, they're out. When you start having to dig something up that you know is an old world species, you know, you have a seven inch um, H gigas that you have to dig out and you know darn well it can put a hurting on you and if the thing bolts, you could have a mess on your hands. That's when you start realizing that you've moved up a little bit as far as difficulty in keeping when you're rehousing those. If you have an LVLosopes that you have to rehouse, they're quick, they can sometimes burrow a bit, they can be a pain in the patukas to rehouse. Those are species that are going, you're going to earn your your badge for being a more advanced keeper but i do believe you need experience for that so that is the big i think the big thing that separates the beginners from people that have been doing it for a while is that gray area in between of rehousings how good are you at your rehousings how do you have a system do you spend the whole night before not sleeping because you're so terrified of these things and again i've said before you need to be cautious around them you need to be cognizant of what they can do but you can't be afraid of them that causes fear causes mistakes when dealing with these guys you'll do things you'll panic you'll shut a leg in a container you'll allow the thing to bolt you'll jack it up there's many things that can go wrong when you go into these situations in a panic so i do believe you have to be calm and where do you get that calmness through actually doing it through experience not watching i i think videos can help and i know when i had to rehouse things i would go and watch videos but it was more like a pep talk like look at this guy did it and sometimes you'll find people that were absolutely atrocious at doing it and they'd still get it in the house without incident and you go wow if that guy can do it so can i so i do think that's important that people and that's one of the reasons i do so many rehousing videos and i've had people which i love will contact me go thank you so much for doing these because it gave me kind of more the courage to do what I needed to do with mine or showed me some ways you can do it. I've come up with little cardboard devices to help it make it easier. All that good stuff. But I do think you have to actually do it yourself to get an appreciation for it. And it is something you have to get practice at. And that's why people start talking about the ladder systems and working with, you know, the slower growing, um, slower tarantulas at first and then moving up into arboreals and fossorials because each species, each type of species, whether it be arboreal or fossorial or terrestrial, poses its own unique challenges and you have to be aware of that. So that, I think, is the tipping point. For, from becoming just a beginner or a novice to somebody with experience. And everybody is different as far as how much experience they need. There are people, just think about it. You've all seen the people, the athletes that were the first to pick, be picked in gym class that seemed to just naturally be athletic. And the, the gym teacher would go up and show you how to play a game and they were like superstars at it within five minutes into the gym class. There are people like that with tarantulas. I have spoken to people who have jumped headfirst in the hobby. Hey, Tom, I got a B-Smithy. Hey, Tom, I jumped the gun, got an OBT. And it's been like three months. I'm still talking to a lot of these people. It's been years, and they're doing perfectly fine. They've never had an escape, never had a bite. They just naturally had that ability to adjust to the hobby, to figure out the rehousings. That's usually the part that gives everybody a hard time again, and to excel. So now people will look at this person with their nose in the air and go, well, you've only been in the hobby three years. You're still a beginner. How do we quantify? How do we put a timeline on that? If somebody is able to keep all these different species correctly with the correct setups. They're not having a bunch of deaths or mysterious deaths, and that can happen to anybody, honestly, but they're keeping them, they're growing them from slings to adult. That's I hear that's a big one too, and I, I will agree with that, that you have to have at least grown some slings up. A lot of people will just start with adults and raise them from there, but I do feel like you have to, to be in that advanced 
category. You have to have your rehousings down. You have to have raised some slings up. Not necessarily bred your own because not everybody breeds, but raise some slings up. But if you've done all this stuff and your tarantulas are all doing well and you have no fear, you sit down. I just bought a, an HMAC, a female adult HMAC. nasty as heck. I just rehoused it, no problem. You're in good shape. You're in a, what I would probably say is an advanced keeper. I think some people it takes longer than others. I was talking to somebody the other day. They'd been in the hobby for 10 years and had never gotten an old world, and she didn't feel like she was ready yet, and that's okay. And she's like, I feel like I'm still a novice. Well, it doesn't matter. Like, this is a hobby. I don't, And this is where I think this overcomplication overcompli- comes from is – People get into the hobby, and everybody's like this. They like to have knowledge. They like to feel smart. They like to feel important. They like to be the one that has all the information. And I think there is a culture surrounding this hobby where we try to make things. We we will one we talk out of both sides of our mouths. One moment we'll tell people, oh, it's really easy. Put some dirt in there, put some water in it, give it a water dish, and it's fine. The next minute, we're admonishing the person for picking up a species that was uh, fossorial and required moisture. Well, you're not ready for this. This is a burrowing species. What other species have you kept? Well, have you ever kept an old world? Have you ever? We, we basically talk on both sides of our mouths, which makes the hobby more confusing than it needs to be. Also, I think some folks try to th- make things more complicated so they can be the ones that hold the key to that knowledge, so they can feel more important. They can be like, oh, well, let me tell you how I kept my A. Simani. I've been keeping these guys for 42 years. I was actually one of the ones that discovered them, believe it or not. All right, I'm exaggerating, but there's that air of superiority, that aloofness that drives me absolutely insane. Instead of just going, all right, here's the deal. They can be kept terrestrially. They can kept, be kept farsorially. Some people find that theirs enjoy some moisture. Try it out. If it likes the moisture, if it burrows, then keep it. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. Give it a water dish. Give it a starter burrow. You're done. You're good to go. Temperatures, don't worry about it. Room temperature, perfectly fine. That's it. We like to overcomplicate things because then we can feel better about ourselves. And this is where you get you know, the forum and the Facebook heroes that come on putting everybody down and talking about how much you know knowledge they have. It drives me absolutely nuts. And, and I've seen cases of ones that are barking and telling people how to do stuff. And I personally, I find what they're saying to be completely wrong. So we do this because I think the hobby, this is where people talk about the elitist and I hate that word and it drives me nuts, but I just think it goes with any hobby, with any situation in life, with anything you do, there's going to be that person there that likes to think it's, it helps them define themselves as a person that they like to feel knowledgeable and important. That's the big one. I worked at a marina years ago doing boat repair, and I remember we hired a guy one day, and I was a, I was a young kid at this point. It was my young 20s, but I was pretty good at doing what I was doing. I, I enjoyed the work, and we'd fix fiberglass boats and stuff. And I remember we brought this new guy in, and the guy would basically stand behind me as I worked and try to tell me how to do my job. And he's like, oh, no, man, you can't do it that way. I've been doing this for 20-something years, and this is how we do it. And most of what he told me, I had already, through trial and error, realized was not how to do it. But because he'd been doing this so long, he hadn't evolved with the actual craft. He hadn't evolved his techniques. So the stuff he was telling me is stuff he's been doing for years that I've already found doesn't work for me. But he liked to feel like he was in charge. He was the older guy. He, you know, I was the, the young buck that probably he felt needed to be put in his place. But he used this to try to keep me down, put himself in an elevated position above me. And that's the same type of stuff we get in the hobby. People will sit there and put people down to make themselves feel better. And it's not a lot of people. It's not all the people, but it is something you see quite a bit. And in fact, if you really break it down, their knowledge, they might have kept a lot of species and that's awesome. They might have raised slings. They might have bred them, whatever. But there's really, all in all, 
there's not a lot to learn. There's a, this is a, a relatively easy hobby as far as a lot of this stuff goes, in my opinion. Maybe I'm oversimplifying. I'm sure people jump all over me on the comments. But I'm hoping a lot of people out there are kind of shaking their heads and laughing like, oh my God, he's kind of right. There's not a lot of little things here and there. But overall, it's not an overly complicated hobby to get into. Why do we push these guys? Why do we push these creatures as good pets? Because they're relatively simple to keep. They're very, very easy. They're very hardy. They're very adaptable. I mean, just think about it. There's no, if you throw away the whole humidity thing, it becomes basically they need moist substrate. They don't need moist substrate. There it is. We're not sitting there going, I have to keep it at exactly 85% humidity. You don't even need your hygrometers, those crappy little plastic pet co gauges or whatever. Toss those right out. Does your species appreciate and require moist substrate? Does it need dry? There it is. So you've got one thing right off the bat. Then is it arboreal, fossorial, or terrestrial? There you're done. That's it. And then just get some experience with rehousings. I think that's the part that people need experience doing. Raising slings. You want to know what to start working on? Raise something up from a tiny sling to an adult. Pat yourself on the back. You've taken a, a, a huge step into becoming an experienced keeper. Have you just rehoused a piece of Lotharia or a Salmopeus or a Tapanakinius species? And it went well, and you got the adult from one cage to another. Congratulations. You've taken a step forward towards becoming a more advanced keeper. That's about it. Um, fortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, there's no one out here handing out belts like they do in the martial arts. It's funny because I trained martial arts for years, and we did Goju-Ru, which originated, our, our main dojo was actually in Okinawa and they talked about in Okinawa they didn't give belts the belts was an American thing because we were very in America very concentrated on who's at what level and having some type of physical way to go I am at this level and you're at this level over there they they laughed at that you kind of just throw on a belt you worked out and what happened is everybody worked out at their own pace nobody was judging you knew who the quote-unquote black belts were because they've been doing it for years and their technique was fantastic and they're ones walking around helping everybody that's kind of how our hobby should be it should be not asking people well you've only been in it for three years i don't care how many species you've successfully kept or bred you're not an expert who cares honestly who gives a flying flute how many years people are in it the only time i feel like that should become an issue is when folks are starting to dole out advice because i've also seen in the hobby the the unfortunately the underside of this is that there are people that will exaggerate their experience level and try to give advice because, again, it makes them feel... I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just like some people, I think, just want to be helpful. Some people, I think, want to get some of the respect that they see the more established keepers getting. I, I don't know what it is, but I do think that you do you should have a certain knowledge base before you start doling out advice. And I was on a YouTube channel the other day. It was a, a new guy... And I was liking what I was seeing, and then he started giving some advice, talking about how he has his humidity perfect, and he has it set at perfect 85% humidity, and he had this complicated way of setting it up. And you know what? That's fine. You want to do that for you. I, I didn't buy. I don't respond. I don't give unsolicited advice. I don't go on people's YouTube pages and go, oh, no, I'm sorry, buddy. That's not how you do it. However, the thing that irritated me is two people responded, and they were basically going to emulate what he was doing. So now we have three people doing something wrong that's where it gets that's where it bothers me a little bit is when people are giving advice husbandry advice and care advice that haven't quite learned everything themselves yet and again we've already established there's not a, a tremendous amount to learn but you should be 
you should at least know what you're doing and be doing things correctly in your own collection before you go out and publicly start teaching others how to do it. I feel very strongly about that. And again, that's, I think, probably the teaching background when you see teachers that are not particularly great teachers and you look at it and go, oh, God, you don't know what you're talking about. That that irritates me a little bit and just a personal pet peeve. But as far as how you get to that point, what makes advanced keepers, again, I'm going to stick to being able to raise a sling up couple slings up I think you know there's no big this is the thing everybody wants hard set rules you have to raise at least 10 slings from slinghood to adulthood it doesn't work that way you have to raise a couple up depending on the species if you get an LV Elosipes I just talked to a guy who had LV Elosipes he bought three slings raised all three of them up to adulthood congratulations buddy you're doing well those are tough slings you have to keep them moist you know that's a species that can give some people trouble Nice job. You're, you're there. As far as I'm concerned, you're you're an established keeper. We'll use established keeper. How's that one? Um, if you've just rehoused a bunch of pokies and had no problems, you're an established keeper. I do believe the rehousing through experience, not just watching YouTube videos. I, I, I have to add that in there, and it gets argued all the time. YouTube videos aren't enough because, trust me, when you're actually doing it, we just, Billy and I just did a video where we rehoused my Skullpendra Dihani, and it, I'd watch videos of people rehousing them try to prepare myself for their movements. For me, it's more recognizing where they're going to go and what they're going to do if they get spooked. When that thing came shooting out of there, I was sweating a little bit. It was new. I had an experience. So I could watch all, I could have watched 300 videos of people doing that. Would not have had a different reaction when that thing shot out of there. There was that holy crud, this thing can move. And then, oh my gosh, I hope I can't get out of this enclosure because Billy's going to kill me. So I still feel it myself. That's something I hope that after I work with centipedes for a while, I will develop more of a feel, more of a comfort for it. And you'll see when I do my tarantula rehousings, for the most part, I'm quiet, but I'm calm. I'm expecting something to go wrong, and I'm prepared for it. And you can't have those skills. You can't have that ability to go with the flow and be ready for any situation if you haven't done it before. If I watch a bunch of videos where somebody does a piece of etheria, uh, we'll say pivotata, and everything goes well, that's great. That prepares me. I have now seen material and prepared myself for what happens when it goes well. What happens when it doesn't go well? What happens when you're getting your pivotata out, it gets spooked and shoots up your arm and goes up the ceiling? Now we've got a hold, and I'm telling you, when these things go, your heart gets racing, you're like in panic mode, it's tough to concentrate, it's tough to do the right thing. So that's something you learn with experience. So what makes the experience keeper in our hobby? I Right there, I've given my answer. Now, what do experienced keepers want to see? And I have to open that one up because, I'll, again, as somebody that has some experience who is established in the hobby, I'll say I like the established better. We'll go with established. As somebody who's established in the hobby, when I'm looking for information, it's, it's basically specific information how to keep a certain species. I, I've gotten into uh, scorpions the last couple of years. Uh, I love my centipedes. These have been things I've been doing a lot of reading about, but I read from people who kept them or keep them so I can get all the pertinent information I need if I decide to acquire a species. But that's about it. As far as like advanced techniques, I'm not sure where to go on that one. Um, it, it, and again, this one kind of confounded me because it, it caused me to do a lot of thinking. What can I do to make my channel more friendly or what can I do to make my website more friendly to established or 
more advanced keepers. I, I'm not sure. So I, again, I'm sure people will come up with some good ideas of things I can handle, but I've done things like mixing the dirt. I've done you know, the rehousings of the more difficult species, and I've done husbandry notes on some of the species out there that are not considered beginner species, but I'm not sure where to take it from there. And I think that's what got me down this little rabbit hole of thought, trying to figure out like what exactly constitutes advanced and Again, I came to the conclusion that we overcomplicate things. We make things a little more difficult. I think a lot of it is we like to have, you know, some of us like to feel like we have that little cabal of, you know, tarantula experts that are the ones that have to approve everything we do. And we have to gain their support and their trust and their uh, approval. It, It drives me nuts when you see people kowtowing to people online that may be completely wrong, but they want to be part of that little club and feel like, yeah, I'm with him. He knows what he's talking about. When honestly, you got probably a year or two, buddy, before you know just about as much as he does. Maybe not, you haven't kept as many species, maybe you haven't bred. And I think that's something that can be brought into it too when you produce. I know for me, personally, I had a lot of people early on, and I'll be very candid with this one, where I was giving advice and they would email me and be like, well, which species have you bred? And I really didn't have a lot of interest in breeding to begin with because I knew I would have to do something with the slings. That's a lot of slings I have to care for. And I'd be like, well, I haven't bred any. Like, oh, I thought you'd been, you know, doing this for a while. I thought you, you know, kind of basically saying you're not, you don't know what you're talking about yet, or you're not an expert, or you're not a uh, advanced keeper if you haven't bred anything. So when I finally got around to breeding, part of it in the back of my mind was to cross that, you know, check that box off and go, all right, if anybody asks now, I can say I bred. And now I do do some breeding. I've, I've got three species of scorpions bred right now. I've bred a couple species of tarantulas, two others I think that I have bred, done the jumping spiders. So I'm just very selective in what I do. But I do believe that, again, breeding could be another good indicator that you've got some good experience in the hobby. If you're able to breed, that's another whole ball game, up, you know, above and beyond just basic tarantula care, so, uh, especially if you pull the sack and deal with the slings before, you know, when they're eggs with legs and you're incubating, whatever it may be. There's there's a whole nother set of rules and things to learn when dealing with egg sacks and tarantula breeding. So I do feel like that's another step and can be, a little, you know, indication that you've obviously taken a step away from being just a novice and are an established keeper, but you don't need to breed, I don't think. I mean, my personal opinion, you, there are a lot of people out there enjoying this hobby that have kept a lot of different species that haven't decided to breed, and I completely understand that. So that's just kind of a, an above and beyond, but that's another step. If you get to the point breeding, please don't get into the hobby, immediately grab a female and decide you're going to breed for money. That drives me absolutely nuts. We get a lot of that. That's just a sign of inexperience, but we get a lot of people that you know discover the hobby and go, man, there's a lot of money to be made. I'm, I'm going around now trying to buy females. I get a lot of people soliciting me, asking me if I can sell females because they want to breed. No, you can't have my females. So again, to go back to the beginning of this, what makes, you know, because I like to sum everything up, what makes a, you know, advanced keeper? Obviously, it's experience. It's experience. It's a species you've kept. It's being able to raise something from sling to adult. It's being, you know, having your rehousings down to a science. And how long does that take? Who knows? I, I don't, I, I've spoken to people that I can tell you right now, 
that contacted me when they got their first tarantula. They're on like 30. They've done old worlds, new worlds. Some of them are breeding and some of them have not even been in the hobby for two full years. But guess what? They're doing great. So why do we have to put arbitrary, you know, oh, you have to be in the hobby 10 years. You have to be in the hobby 15 years. Granted, people that have been in 10, 15 years, yes, those are people you want to talk to because they probably got a lot more experience. They've obviously got a lot more experience. But again, when you look at what the, the hobby entails, there's not so much to learn when compared to other hobbies. And I think we'd lose perspective on that. So obviously I don't want, and I'm, what I'm afraid is going to happen is people that have a lot of experience, you know, 10, 15 years of experience are going to come on and go like, Tom Moran just said my experience is worth nothing. Bull. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is if we're going to be preoccupied with these arbitrary, you know, I'm a beginner, I'm a novice, I'm established or advanced or whatever, then we can concede that somebody that's been doing this for a couple years with success is obviously no longer a beginner that's an established, I like, we're going to continue with the word established hobbyist. If you want to get into advanced and everything else, we can, we can decide on that later, but an established hobbyist. And then I got to ask this question, who cares? Who cares how long you've been doing it for? Who cares what label you give yourself because it means nothing. And that's, I think, the biggest issue with this whole thing is folks that it's smoke and mirrors. There's no governing body of the tarantula hobby out there that's bestowing upon people cards like, hey, guess what, guys? Look what I got. I got my advanced keeper card yesterday. Yep, 10 years. You know, it's not like when you're teaching or doing another career where you have to put in a certain number of hours in a classroom or or doing internships, and there's nothing like that. There's there's nothing like that for a hobby. So who really, who are you trying to prove it to? Unless you're going online and hobnobbing with people that, you know, are trying to boast about how much experience they have or trying to put you down for not having enough experience, it really doesn't matter. Enjoy the hobby for what it is. Get your tarantulas, do your research, Go at your own pace. Don't ask people when you're ready to get old worlds. Look at what you're able to do. Are you able to rehouse without incident? Have you watched some videos? Have you seen how fast they can move? Have you seen what happens when they go wrong? Does that get your heart racing? Does that make you sick? Does that make you terrified? Or you look at that and go, yeah, I could deal with that. Then move on. Try getting one. There's nobody out. If you go and open yourself up by asking people, am I ready for this? You're probably not going to like the responses. I've had people ask me, and I always shy away from this one. I'm like, well, if you think you can do it, if you have your basic husbandry down, feel free. It's not for me to tell you. But again, I don't think, I think we spend too much time preoccupied. And that's, that's the nature of any hobby is that you're going to spend time trying to get the acceptance of people who have been there before you. And it really shouldn't be about that. This is something that's kind of, I mean, I enjoy hobbies because they give me time alone. I get exhausted spending a bunch of time with people during the course of the day. And it's just time like me and Billy and the family or whatever. And it's quiet. If, if you're that concerned about what people think of your ability or think of your station, then in my opinion, you're coming at it the wrong way. Don't worry about what other people think. Get into the hobby. Do your research. Set up your tarantulas correctly. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask people questions that have been in it longer than you. But do make sure that the people you're asking actually know what they're talking about. And enjoy it. That's it. We shouldn't be worrying about advanced and expert. And I've seen debates. At what point do you, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. What point do you think somebody can be considered an expert? Who cares? I will tell you right now, I don't consider myself an expert. I make mistakes. I'm still learning things. There's still things to learn about the individual species. Do I think I've, I'm established and 
have my basic care down? Absolutely. I'm very confident in my basic care and what I'm doing with, you know, actually setting them up and taking care of them. I've done all that stuff, but I'm not an expert. I don't have a degree in that. The only people that should be called experts in this are obviously people that really have that gone that extra step, I think, and are arachnologists or whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, if your spiders are happy and healthy, who cares? Who cares what level you're currently at? Enjoy yourself. It shouldn't be one of these things where you're counting down the days till people online are going to tell you you're an expert. You should be just having fun with the hobby. I just think that's the wrong way of looking at it. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to be just seen as a beginner tarantula YouTuber or blogger. I, I again, I don't. I honestly don't feel like I am. But that did get me thinking about what I could do going ahead to kind of make it more clear that I would be doing things for established hobbyists as well. I don't know if it's just the way I teach or talk during the video that's making people think that I'm like baby stepping everything, but that's something I'm going to give some thought to. So if anybody has suggestions, I am taking down some notes and there will be some changes to my YouTube channel as well to designate species that I think are more advanced or techniques that may be more advanced. I don't know what I'm going to come up with as far as techniques because there's really not a lot going on with this as far as techniques and stuff. It's just basic rehousings and stuff like that. But maybe some people can come up with stuff. Again, we'll be talking about the bioactive enclosures, which I think will be a huge step forward. And I will be dabbling in that uh, moving ahead. I'm starting to redo my whole tarantula room now so that I can do some more pretty stuff in it and have some, you know, some fun with some of the enclosures. So that'll be something going ahead. But again, I'll take feedback, things people would like to hear me cover. And I've always got a long list of things. It's just a matter of trying to figure out if they'd be better suited to a video, an article, or a podcast. But again, my message for this one would be don't concern yourself where you're at. If you, if you just got your first tarantula, congratulations. Welcome to the hobby. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to have a lot of fun, but it's not that overwhelming. Don't let people make you think that it's this overwhelming thing. I think we do a disservice to our hobby when we do that because that's what gets people freaking out about you know husbandry as far as humidity requirements and ideal temperatures. When you strip all that away, when you realize they all live in a range of humidity and temperature, it makes them very easy to keep. And the rest of the stuff will come with basic experience. So thanks so much for listening. Hopefully this one isn't misconstrued. Again, I'm not saying that people that have been in the hobby for decades shouldn't be respected, shouldn't be sources of information, and probably know picked up a lot of things about different species than many of us have. I do think we need to stop spending so much time worrying about how many years it takes to become an expert or an advanced keeper or coming up with these arbitrary, arbitrary checklists for what people need to do to be considered respected, established keepers. I just find the whole thing kind of ridiculous. So just work on what you're doing. Do your research. Talk to good people. Get your husbandry down. Top thing you can you need to do is learn how to do the rehousings and you're good to go and who cares where you're at just i i have no problem going out there and just saying all right you know i keep tarantulas i don't know where i'm at i i've still got things i'm learning so as usual if you'd like to comment hopefully some people will chime in you can comment i'll be posting this on my facebook page you can also find me at thomasbigspiders.com which i need to do some more articles on that i got a couple coming up that i need to get posted and then my youtube channel which tends to be the most active right now because i seem to be able to reach the most people there um you can always come down and leave comments there thanks so much for listening until next time Deuces.